talking about paths today, and so we thought that was an appropriate song. We're in the 23rd Psalm. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 20, uh, Psalm 23, verse 3. We have some sixth graders here for the first time. They're going to be, um, you're going into sixth grade, right, Jake? Is that right? All right, so this is their first time because they got kicked out of over here. Kicked them out. They're too big, and so let's welcome them. Welcome to our sixth graders. Super exciting. Uh, if you don't recognize them, they're little and they look scared. Uh, so uh, that's how you'll know who they are. Super glad you're here. So let me bring you guys up to speed what we're doing uh, for the sermon today. Uh, 23rd Psalm is probably one of the best known p- parts of Scripture ever written. It was written by a guy named David who became at one time the king of Israel. But before he was the king, he was a shepherd. Now being a shepherd is the lowest job you can have. And David was the youngest son and of several sons, and so they put him out in the field with sheep. And if you're a shepherd, you have lots of work to do because there are predators who are trying to snatch the sheep. Uh, Sheep aren't very smart. They'll wander off. Sheep have a tendency, if they are in a field, they'll eat the field to death. They'll They'll just eat everything, and so you have to keep moving them. And from what I understand, shepherds sometimes had to move them every week or so, depending on how big your field was, obviously, but they had to be moved because if you didn't move them, the sheep would destroy the field. Sheep also had a tendency to always walk the same path. Animals do that. But the sheep would do it to the point where they would ruin the fields because they would uh, dig ruts in where they'd been walking and then it would erode and really, really not good. And so the shepherd had this responsibility of making certain that the sheep were well taken care of and that the sheep um, thrived. Now, when David writes this 23rd Psalm, he writes them from the perspective that we are sheep and our heavenly Father, God, is our shepherd. And he takes care of us and he does certain things for us. And so the first few verses say, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. And we've gotten that far. And today we're going to go to the next part of the verse of verse 3. But this whole psalm is about how God takes care of us his people. How God our shepherd takes care of us his sheep, all right? Now, there are verses all over the place in scripture about God leading us in a path, a certain path that God leads us down. Jesus put it this way one time. He said, "Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it and we see it in in life that lots of people there's kind of herd mentality and lots of people go the wrong direction just because everybody else is going that direction and so Jesus says but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it and Jesus was saying hey to follow me you have to really pay attention so today we're going to talk about really paying attention because God wants to guide us so verse 3 the the 23rd Psalm begins, the Lord is my shepherd. And then verse 3 says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Paths of righteousness simply means he leads us along the right path. And In fact, if it was written today, uh, David might have said he keeps us on track. And so our shepherd leads us down the right path. Now, basically, God wants us to make good decisions, but we don't always make good decisions. And so I... I, uh, sort of tried to find some examples of bad decisions. And these are 
really easy to find. I mean, really, a lot of them had to do with tattoos, by the way. A lot of, a lot of really bad, and not that having a tattoo is a bad decision, but there are a lot of bad uh, tattoos out there. I don't have any pictures of that, but I do have some bad decision pictures. Um, there's a common theme. There are six pictures, just so you know. There's a common theme, and at the end, there's a quiz. I'm going to ask you if you see the, the theme, okay? Um, th- 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 how could that... How could that go bad, right? Yeah. I like the way he's got his foot up there, though. That really is stabilizing everything. Uh, I can't see that that could go wrong. I'd like to know how he got it sideways. That's pretty awesome. Um, Must be hot. Uh, That's taken in uh, Columbia, South Carolina. Okay, so... Yeah, how could that go bad? That really, there's no way that could go bad. And this last one. Now, this looks logical to me. All right, so did you all see the common theme? What? What is it? They're all men. They're all men. I mean, only men make dumb decisions like this. Here's the point. Success really equals making good decisions. And God wants us to make good decisions. He talks to us. He helps us. His ambition for you is to lead you down paths of righteousness. He wants to help you make right decisions. So we're going to talk about how do you you know what the right decision is? Because it's tough sometimes. And people will say, well, I want to follow God's path, but I don't know what his path is. And it seems like he's hiding it from us. And he really, he's not hiding it from you. In fact, the Bible tells us that before every person there lies a wide and pleasant road. It seems right, but it ends in death. Often, the right path is the more difficult path. And I was talking to a coach just a minute ago, and he's talking about how hot it is. And, and in, in sports, there's that saying, no pain, no gain. And, and a lot of times, you have to really work hard to get what you want to accomplish. And so God will lead us down. It never says easy paths. Now, it could be easy for a season, but everybody that has lived any time at all knows that life is seasonal. And sometimes I'm in a good season and sometimes in a bad season. And God walks through every season with us. The path may change or the the path may be difficult or easy, but God is always there. He wants to lead us in these paths. Now, if I were to say to you, hey, take your outline and write down the worst decision you've ever made. What, what was it? And you might write it down. I don't want you to write anything down. I just, want this, just for instance, if I were to say, what was the worst decision you ever made? The thing that stings most about those decisions is you didn't have to make it. I mean, I could have a top 10 list. I could have a top 100 list. I've made really bad decisions in my life. My mother's here today. Mom, mom's here. Mom's right there. Um, she has a list of bad decisions I made. She's kept a list. It's, it's like five or six pages because a lot of bad decisions in my life. So the thing that stings most about them is I didn't have to make them. I just didn't listen to the Lord. I, I, a lot of times I knew better. I just made the wrong decision. Now, there's a difference between making a mistake and a bad decision. Those aren't the same things. If I'm taking a test and I answer a question wrong, that's a mistake. If I'm taking a test and I don't study, that's a bad decision. Totally different. A lot of times we want to, we want to act like our bad decisions are just mistakes. Then we're really not responsible. It was just a mistake. Well, no, you, you chose to do the wrong thing. And when I choose to do the wrong thing, 
it just messes stuff up. And this isn't new. In fact, God tells us that he wants us to ask for directions. Look at what it says in James. We've looked at this a few weeks ago. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. By the way, if any of you lacks wisdom, that's all of us. Because we, we can't figure everything out. We just aren't that smart. We need wisdom. If any of you, so it should say, since all of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Interestingly enough, that word unstable in all they do uh, in Greek means stagger like a drunk. Staggering like a drunk. It's, you're, you're kind of this way and this way. And God doesn't want that you because here's what happens direction alleviates distraction and when I know what God wants I'm not distracted by other things when I go know what God wants me to do I'm not as distracted by other things so the Lord is my shepherd and he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake not not only does he feed us? He leads us. He, he provides for us. We've seen that in the first couple of verses. But now it talks about, hey, I'm going to also not just supply your needs, but I'm going to direct your life. When old school, when you used to say, I, I, you know, a person was saved, you'd say, um, uh, he, Jesus is my Savior and my Lord. And what we were saying was, Jesus not only... Um, not only keeps me from going to hell, he's my savior, but he also is my Lord. He directs my path. He tells me what to do. So why is it hard to, and difficult sometimes to know what God wants you to do? It's easy to get off path. Well, I think sometimes it's because we're looking for the wrong thing. Um, I'll give you, a, this is a slide of some, some, some problems that we have. Sometimes we're looking for an emotion you know, we need a quiver in our liver, right? We need, we need it to feel right. It's got to feel right. And so we live in a society that seems to be going toward a path of emotions. If, my, if I don't feel like it, then I'm not going to do it. And God often asks us to do things that we don't feel like doing. When, when Jesus said, turn the other cheek, who wants to turn the other cheek? I mean, that doesn't, my emotions don't tell me to do that. If you do me wrong, <laughs> my emotions tell me I should do you wrong more. But Jesus often asks us, God often asks us to do things that are difficult. So it's can't, it can't be about emotions. Some people want the seven steps to a perfect marriage. They want, they want it logical. It's got to you know, be a formula. Well, it's not always that way either. There aren't always formulas for things. Sometimes you just sort of follow. And then some people want it to be kind of magical. They want it, uh, you know, they want to have a dream, or they want, uh, they want to see it in the clouds, or they want a Facebook post to tell them what to do. And the problem is, those aren't, those aren't good ways to discover your path, what God wants you to do. So, there are good ways, and I'm going to tell you what they are. Kind of four things. First thing is, I have to admit, I, ha I need a guide. I have to admit it. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. When I allow him to lead me, I've got I've to ask him to guide me. When Miriam and I had our 25th wedding anniversary, and we're on 29 now, so about four years ago, we went to an island called St. Kitts. It's in the Caribbean somewhere. We went there mostly because Miriam wanted to. Uh, we went there uh, because there wasn't a lot of people, but it does have uh, 
a, a volcano mountain, a volcanic mountain, about 3,800 feet, kind of tall. And um, we were going to take a hike because we like to hike up those things. And so it looks something like this. Um, this is Mount Kilimanjaro. It's not the, our mountain, but I like this picture better. So uh, anyway, uh, our mountain didn't have any snow on it, and it was kind of tropical and all that kind of stuff. So uh, when we were talking to the people at the hotel, the, the thing was they said, oh, you're going to need a guide. <laughs> it's like, no, we don't. We're, we're not chumps. Uh, I mean, is there a path? Well, yes, it's a, but it's difficult. It's like, yeah, difficult for you, buddy, but not me. Uh, so Miriam and I decided we weren't going to fork over the money for a guide. No way. So we get on the path. Um, we drive up to the trailhead. We get on the path, and, and we're climbing up. And it's, it's, I mean, it's, not, it's not the worst thing we've ever climbed up. There were some, <laughs> there were some roots you had to climb up, and, you know, and rocks, and you could have died. But other than that, it was easy. And uh, we're doing okay. We're going up. And on the way down, we meet these, this couple who has a guide. <laughs> Suckers. And uh, so the guide says to us, uh, where is your guide? Our guide's right here, my brother, you know, uh, right here. And he says, oh, it's dangerous. Like, yeah, whatever. So anyway, we climbed to the top. We got up there. No problems. No problems. The coming down part was less easy, mostly because of the rain. Uh, and um, it got slippery, and it's tropical, and so it's slippery. And then I, I'm almost sure that guide... Um, Changed some signs, because we got lost uh, on the way down. And it was that guide. I'm pretty sure that guide, he, he sort of, I'm sure with him, and he did, you know. And, and so we get down, and when, when you've hiked up and down, you know, 4,000 feet or whatever, 3,800 feet, we were kind of tired at the end of this, and, and we got lost a little bit, and we finally found our way back. And I was, I was a little annoyed that Miriam wouldn't let us get a guide. I, you know, I was like, good grief, we should have had a guide. Well, here's the thing about guides. They know more than you do. They know where the path is, and we all need them sometimes. I mean, we all use guides. If, if you're trying to, how many of us Google something if we don't know how to do it? I mean, we do it all the time because we need somebody that knows more than we do to help us. Something else about having a guide on that hike that would have been smart. That guide, guide could have told us what we were looking at. I mean, we enjoyed our hike, and it was great, and we got home, and it was super. But I can tell you, it would have been nice to know what that tree was, or it would have been nice to know what this was. I didn't have that information. And God can explain stuff to us as, as, we, as we journey with Him. He can tell us. I can't tell you how many times He's told me the why. He doesn't always tell me why. But oftentimes, I figure out why this happened and that happened. And we all need that sort of guide. And here's the deal. How many of us in the moment thought we were making a great decision and it wasn't that great decision and we should have had a guide? Like your wife asks you, um, does this dress look, make me look hippie? And you answer. Uh, you, you thought it was a good idea to answer, but you should not have answered. Or ladies, uh, you've told your husband he's too old to do that. We should hire somebody, and then you have medical bills after that because he tried it. You know, you thought it was a good idea. It really turned out not to be a good idea. Or this one, I really like. This guy tweeted, the man who just pulled in front of me in my parking place uh, I'd been waiting for and then flipped me off just arrived at his job interview with me. So that's, uh, uh, you thought it was a good idea, but turned out not to be a good idea. Uh, I don't believe in karma, but if I did, that would be it. Um, Proverbs fourteen twelve. there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death, and oftentimes the easy path is the wrong path. 
just, just so you know. We've all made these decisions where it was the easiest or the cheapest, and you end up paying for it. So the first thing we have to understand is we've got to be humble enough. The Bible says uh, he guides the humble. Because if you're not humble enough to ask, he's not going to force himself on you. He's not going to force his wisdom on you. He's not going to force his direction on you. You have to be humble enough to ask. The second thing is you have to believe he's going to give you the directions. We looked at this text a minute ago. Let's look at it one more time. If any of you uh, need wisdom, you should ask God. But when you ask, you must have faith and not doubt. And so we ask, but we believe that he's going to answer. That's the main thing. We believe that he's going to answer. I, I love to go sale shopping. I like to shop. I'm okay with that. Uh, but I never buy full, full price. I never buy anything full price. So when I go into a store, I scout the signs that stand up that say sale or mostly clearance. My favorite uncle, Clarence. And uh, so I'll go to clearance. Now, on occasion, if I'm feeling real jiggy, I'll, I'll get something off clearance and I'll go ask if I might get more off. Because why not? You know, it's on clearance. Ain't nobody want that stuff. You know, uh, especially if they've got like five of them. Oh, um, I'll, take, I'll take one of these off your hands, but I want it for 85% off. You know, it doesn't hurt to ask. It never hurts to ask. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Sometimes I'll ask and they'll say, oh, I'll have to go ask my manager. Nobody else is brave enough to ask us this sort of stuff. Uh, nobody else has that kind of uh, moxie. So uh, let me go ask. Now, how, how foolish would it be if I ask the question, hey, can I get more off? And they'll say, well, I have to go ma- ask my manager. How, how foolish would it be for me then to walk away before I ever got the answer? And this is what we do with God a lot of times. We'll say, God, I need, I need your help. I need you to help me. And then we don't wait for the answer because he doesn't answer right away. And we go do what we think is best. Sometimes the best path is to take a, take a moment, catch your breath, because we, we get all worked up and we think this is life and death and it's not always life and death. And sometimes you just need to settle and see if God might do something. Here's what I know. I ask God for stuff. He doesn't always give it to me, but I ask because here's what I know. I hardly ever get anything I don't ask for. If I go to a store, hardly any time do I take something to the counter and they say, oh, would you like more percentage off? I mean, it happens occasionally, but it hardly ever happens. The other day I had that somebody gave me something for free. It was great. But that's, that's the exception, not the rule. And so with God, I have to ask. I have to understand I might not get, but he wants to direct me. And if he doesn't give it to me, he has a better idea in mind. Okay? So I've got to humble myself and ask. The second thing, I've got to believe he's going to offer me direction. And then I have to listen. The Bible tells us that God speaks in different ways, and we don't always recognize his voice. Right now in this room, if I had a radio, and I'm not sure anybody actually ever uses a radio anymore, but if I had a radio, I could tune into radio waves because they're in this room right now. Television waves are in this room. You can't see them, but that doesn't mean they're not there. And so God is constantly speaking to us, but sometimes we're just not tuned in. And you have to be tuned in, and God has designed us to hear his voice, but we don't always hear his voice. There's a couple reasons. If I don't have a relationship with God, 
I can't receive his, his voice very well. I, I've got to have a relationship with him. It's got to be ongoing. That's how I get to understand what direction he has for my life. The, the other thing is, he might be talking, but I'm not listening. And you've got to listen. When my girls were little, uh, sometimes they would be talking to me, and I wouldn't be listening. I'd be watching you know, the Cowboys or something. I'd be doing something. And uh, my, my girls uh, would take my face in their hands, and they would turn me, turn me until we, our eyes were together, and they would say, are you listening to me? And I think God sometimes would just like to say, are you listening to me? The other thing sometimes is we're not on the right channel. We're, we're listening here, but God is speaking here. We're, we're hoping that he's going to speak to us through this, but he's not really going to speak to us through this. He's going to speak to us through this. When we are done today, I'm going to get in my car, and I'm going to turn on Earth FM because on Sundays they play American Top 40 from way back, from back when I was a kid, and I love those. And it's Casey Kasem, you know, uh, keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. I love that. I love that. I don't listen to it on the way in because then I, I don't want to be like I don't want to be going eight six seven five three oh nine when, when I'm preaching. I, I don't want that to be rattling around my head, which happens to me. Although if I do listen to it, I just change the words and then I make it like uh, that song goes Jenny Jenny. I go Jesus Jesus, who can I turn to? So I do that. Or um, I wish that I could have Jesse's girl. I change that to I'm glad I have a Jesus girl or something you know something stupid like that. But I don't do it too often. But here's the point. I have my, my radio tuned into that station because that's what I want to hear. If I want to hear the Lord, I have to tune in to his voice. How, how does he speak? Well, he's got a lot of ways he speaks to us. The number one way God speaks to us is through his word. Without exception, number one is through his word. That's why it's so important for us to read his word every day. Get up a little early, um, go to bed a little early, make some time in the afternoon. I don't care when you do it. Five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes. Take a little time to read God's Word because this is what happens to us when we do. We read it and it might not be something relevant for today, but we sort of file it away. It's, it's in our minds now. I've read this verse or I've read this idea and it's in my mind and it's filed away. And eventually, I might need that verse. And so eventually it comes and, and I hear it, and, and so I needed that, and, and I'll pull it out of the file. Then the Holy Spirit helps me. He, he sort of brings it to mind. And so not only is God's Word a great way for Him to speak to us, but when we become followers of Christ, the Holy Spirit lives within us, and He speaks to us, and He guides us in our conscience. And you have to be careful with this one, because not every, not every impression is from God. The other day... <laughs> You know that, uh, that whole follow your heart stuff. People will say, follow your heart. Well, that's stupid because the Bible says the heart is deceptive. And so you can't always follow your heart. But you can follow the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. He will never contradict God's word. That's why you need to know God's word. And somebody will say to me, you know, I think my boyfriend and I should move in together before we're married. And it's like, no, you shouldn't because the Bible says you shouldn't. I mean, God's not going to tell you to do something that contradicts his word, he's just not. I don't think God cares if I cheat on my taxes a little bit. Yeah, he does. Because it says we are to pay what we owe. It's in scripture. And you can't make it say what you think you want it to say. You just listen to it and you do what he says. Here's what the thing about, about preparing a message. 
I spent, and you may not notice or you may not know, but I spend some time with these messages. I really do. Uh, and, and I come in here and I, I think about it, you know, and it's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this and this is going to be good. And I'll preach. And then while I'm preaching, just sort of off, God will, I'll just hear a voice kind of, I'll hear something in, in my head and God will say, well, say this, this will be good. And so I'll say something off the cuff, just sort of, I hadn't thought about it before, but off the cuff I'll say it. And after the service is over, somebody will come up to me and that off the cuff thing will be the thing they remember. And I want to say, but what about that other really good stuff that I prepared, you know, for 20 hours on? And they're like, no, I don't remember any of that. But that thing you said off the cuff is really good. Or it'll be the worst sermon ever. And you've heard some of these. It's, it's, the, it's the intersection of, of bad content and bad delivery. I mean, it happens sometimes. And, and I'll be walking out of here like, like, you know, like, oh, my word, this is the worst. And, and, and somebody will say, that is just what I needed. And I want to say, you needed a bad sermon? Is that what you needed? Surely you needed more than that. But no, that's just what I need. I just, or, or somebody will say, I had it last week. Somebody will say to me, you spoke right to me. It is the most amazing thing ever as a preacher for somebody to say you spoke directly to me. Because here's what I know. I am just not that bright. I don't know what everybody's needs are. I don't know what everybody's going through. We had a room of, you know, 150 people. I don't know what everybody's, what's happening in your life. And yet somehow God takes words that were prepared, for my, in my case, four weeks ago. I prepared this sermon four weeks ago. I'm delivering it today. I like to be ahead a little bit. Four weeks ago, God put something in my mind that somehow speaks to a person. It is amazing to me. And before, if you think... I get a big head over this. There's a text in Scripture I am certain God put in there just for preachers. Then the Lord caused the donkey to speak. I am certain that's in there to keep us humble. Because, listen, if God can speak through a donkey, He can use anybody and anything, and He does. He uses Scripture. He uses the Holy Spirit. He uses godly teachers. He can use impressions. He can use dreams. He can use pain. We don't like that one too much. But the Bible says sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change our ways. So God will get your attention. He'll speak. He wants to speak. But you have to listen. And sometimes we're walking along and we have mid-course corrections. When the Apollo space modules were going to, to the moon or were going to the space station, they would, uh, they would launch them, but then they would correct the path. They would adjust the path. And sometimes God gets us going and then we adjust or he adjusts our path. And the way you adjust your course is by listening to his voice. He wants to talk. He's talking. It's easy to get off course. He wants to get us right back on. And there are, I've had people say to me, I'm so far off the path, I don't think God can bring me back. That is so untrue, and it hurts me that you would say that. Because nobody is so off path that God can't bring them back. I don't care how far off path you are. I haven't been you know, listening to God in 20 years. So listen to Him today, and He'll get you on, back on path. Because here's the truth of the matter. The path of righteousness is also the road to recovery. God wants to get you to the right spot more even than you do. Sometimes the paths don't make sense. The path he puts us on 
might involve tragedy or crisis or pain, and we don't understand it, which brings us to the fourth thing. I trust and I obey even when I don't understand. Proverbs 4.18 is a cool verse. The way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, which shines ever brighter until the full light of day. When you first get up or you first see the sunrise and it's dawn, you can't see everything. You can't see it all at dawn. But as the sun rises, as it gets brighter, now you can make things out that you couldn't make out at dawn. And I believe with all my heart that in light of eternity, when we're, when we're standing in eternity, we're going to look back over our lives, and while we're kind of in dawn light right now, someday we're going to be in the full light of eternity, and it's all going to make sense. It might not make sense today. could be hard today. You might be facing relational issues or financial issues or your kids are not where you want them to be. It could be a lot of things. Today we're just seeing in the dawn's light. But I love that verse because someday it's going to all be clear. My daughter Amaris is here today too and few months ago she traveled to Europe and she flew back home and she flew into Atlanta so I drove down to Atlanta to pick her up and we were driving back home and on my phone I have the Waze app does anybody have the Waze app anybody yeah it's kind of good it kind of directs you and I have a little magnet on here so I kind of put on my Waze app and I stick it on there so I can watch it kind of a GPS for me and it's really not that difficult to get from Atlanta to here you get on I-85 and you go and yet my Waze app was telling me to get off on this certain exit it's like well, you're not very smart, Waze app, because I know I should just go right up I-85. And so Amaris and I were driving home, and, and there's an exit we're supposed to take. Waze app says, take this exit. And it's like, I'm not taking that exit. That's wrong. And we get right past the exit, and then we see this. You've had that experience, right? I, I should have listened to the app because that app knew more than I did. It could see further ahead than I could see. It, it had a bigger picture than I have. See, that's God to us. He sees further. He knows more. He has a bigger picture than we'll ever have. So, so we missed the exit. Oh, I can use my pointer. I'll show you what I did. Are there any police officers in here? Good. No, uh, Carl. So we kind of, we kind of, there's, there's an exit here, you know, right here, and we missed it, and so we kind of went there, and it may or may not be true that a car spotted that looked like ours backed up the on-ramp. It could be true, I'm, you know. There was some stuff like that happening around where I was. It, it may or may not have been me. What I love about God is He knows things that we do not know. All right, so let, let's take Moses for a second. Old Testament. Moses is commissioned by God to lead the people of Israel, God's chosen people, out of Egypt because they had been enslaved and it was horrible and the, the Egyptians were, were just brutal taskmasters. And the Israelites had called out to God and God had heard their call, but it took 400 years and Moses is commissioned to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. And Moses goes to the Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, and he says, let my people go. <laughs> and Pharaoh said, hey, that's not going to happen because that's free labor. 
We don't care if your God says to let my people go. He's not our God, and we're not listening to you. And then God performs these ten plagues, and Pharaoh, he gets Pharaoh's attention. Remember, we talked about sometimes pain gets your attention, and pain got Pharaoh's attention. Ten plagues. The last one was the, the, the death of firstborn, and Pharaoh said, just go. And the Israelites are conquerors now. And they, they kind, of, kind of loot uh, the Egyptians as they leave. And they take things and they're, they're, they're marching out to the promised land. God has promised them. That's why it's called the promised land. It's named that because he promised it to them. And, and he, they march out. And they get to the Red Sea. And this is quite a barrier because there's not just the Red Sea, but on this side there's mountains and they're impassable. And on this side are mountains and impassable. And they look behind them and what they notice is the Egyptians have changed their mind and they're pressing in. This this is where we get the expression between a rock and a hard place because this is really bad. You've got mountains I can't cross, mountains I can't cross, Red Sea, Egyptians. You're boxed in. And then God parts the Red Sea. And years later, they write about it in the 77th Psalm. Your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one even knew was there. I think that is such a cool verse. They got to what looked like a wall, and God made a door. And some of us, we, we're, we're, we're at the wall. We don't know what to do. We're thinking to ourselves, what is God going to do? Well, he's going to do what he always does. He's a delivering God. And he wants to deliver. Now, what do you do in the meantime? Well, the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. What you do in the meantime is you don't trust your own understanding. You don't lean into yourself. You have patience. You trust that God knows what he's doing. The 37th Psalm, David writes this, and it reads as, as an old, ooh, there you go, uh, reads like an old man who has lived a long life who is offering advice to young people. Listen. Do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass will... Will they soon wither? Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, and your justice will cause like the noonday sun. And then He says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly, He delights in every detail. Of their lives. And what you have to understand is God has created a custom plan, a custom path just for you. My path isn't like anybody else's path. Your path isn't like anybody else's path. And God has formed a path for all of us. And one of the greatest tragedies in life is to get to the end of your life and never know or have fulfilled the very reason you were made. What a waste. God has a path and a purpose. And if we never fulfill it, it is a waste of life. And I don't care how successful you are. I don't care what, kind of, what size home you live in. I don't care how much money you die with because you can't take any of it with you. If you don't live according to God's purpose, your life was a failure. It just is. That's why he leads us in paths of righteousness 
for his name's sake. I love to brag on my girls. I love it. My girls give me a lot to brag on. I, I love it. Most of us like to brag on our kids. Um, you know, uh, Timmy learned to walk. Uh, Sally got a scholarship. Uh, Bobby got a job and is moving out of the basement. You know, uh, we like to brag on, on accomplishments. And the Bible tells us that God is proud of us. It, it says this, let your light sh- Jesus said, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. God is a proud Papa when we follow His path. He always loves us. He's always for us. He always directs us. He's a proud Papa when we do the things He's called us to do. So the question today that we are going to end with is this. Whose path are you going to follow? Are you going to follow the path that God has created from you from the existence of the world? Or are you going to do your own thing? I mean, you can do your own thing. God gives us that choice. But it's not the best choice. Father, we are humbled that you care enough about little old us to create a plan for each one of us. You know us, you know our strengths, our weaknesses, our flaws. And Lord, you still love us. Lord, you love us even if we're off path. You love us if we're way off path. We pray, God, that you would guide us, help us to hear your voice, help us to do your will every day, including today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.